Well, church family, as Ken just prayed, it is the Lord who leads his church, who leads our church this morning. And this morning, we are going to be led through God's word in 2 Corinthians. We're starting a new series, a series that is going to emphasize two things, that it is the Lord who strengthens us and it is the Lord who shepherds us. Um, I hope you hear those themes as they emerge in the weeks to come. This morning, we're almost going to have a bit of a setup for that series as we look to the salutations, the greetings of the Apostle Paul. Uh, We're going to see that, that the Lord strengthens, he desires to strengthen the church by extending grace and peace to the church. And we're going to see as well that the Lord wants and desires you to know that he shepherds you He cares for you because he declares you as a sinner, as a holy one, as a saint. Little theologians, if your parents permit, um, I would ask that you would draw a picture of a Lego set. Uh, one of those, or or Duplos or or Mega Blocks, even though those aren't quite as fun. (laughs) Draw one of those, those massive, large Lego sets. And, and imagine as you're drawing that set that you built it in one room, but you had to move it to another room. And you had to uh, avoid pets and animals that were going to jump up on you and maybe little siblings who might try and knock it over. And you are trying to walk with this massive Lego set from one room to another. What would that experience be like? Well, here's why I mention that, little theologians. I mention that to you because the Lord is building his church. He builds it brick by brick like a Lego set, Lego by Lego. And the Lord Jesus holds on to his church. He holds it fast. He holds it up high and exalted, far greater than we deserve He lifts us up high and he protects us from all harm. I hope you hear that as we turn our hearts to God's word in 2 Corinthians. This is the shortest passage. Last Sunday you heard from Dr. Keynes, perhaps the longest passage in 2023. You may be hearing the shortest passage in 2023. Listen to God's word for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses one and two. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you in your word today. We come by your will. You've gathered us and you've given us life and truth through your word. Would you meet us in it? Would you show us more of who you are and would you attune our hearts to yours, Lord, that we would not be the same as we hear and live out your word by faith. Lead us, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, April 12th, 2020, 
is a date that will stick in many of our minds as a very painful and hard night. For those of you who were not in Chattanooga on April 12th, 2020, you may not remember, but Chattanooga on that evening, Easter evening, we were hit by an EF3 category tornado. It was a whirlwind that came through our neighborhoods. You can still see the effects of that whirlwind throughout our community. There are still places, schools, homes that are still affected by that whirlwind that came through. And I remember not just the whirlwind of that night, but the whirlwind that happened afterwards. As we tried to figure out, we were uncertain what was happening in our midst and we were just trying to figure out who was okay, how much damage had been done, what homes were without power needed a generator, what homes needed significant debris removed or repair work. And the weeks that followed were a whirlwind of recovery. Many of you showed up to this building and, and Mike Mason led teams of us to go out with chainsaws just to clear whatever we could find. And, and Nikki uh, led uh, 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 teams of volunteers, many of you who came, as we received food and prepared sandwiches and sent out water bottles into the community. It was a whirlwind. There were masks and, and boxes and tarps everywhere. Our neighborhood was a mess. And as great as that whirlwind was, we saw time and time again of the Lord's goodness, his grace and his peace throughout our community, in our hearts and in our lives. We saw as many stories of God's faithfulness and goodness to us as we experienced the depth of a whirlwind that ravaged our community. I share that with you this morning because I have heard from many of you and many of you have shared that we feel as a church as if we've been through a whirlwind, a whirlwind without a senior pastor this morning. And even if you're new to our church and maybe if you weren't here during 2020, you know what a whirlwind feels like. You know what it's like to have your life a mess a mess of so many challenges, whether it's the car that barely gets to the mechanic, whether it's the relationship that's strained that you don't know what to say to that person, even though you love them, whether it's a sickness that makes you wonder whether you will ever feel normal again. You know the feeling of a whirlwind. Paul wants you to know, he wants this church in Corinth to know that when we feel the weight of a whirlwind around us, it is the Lord who holds us fast. That we belong by faith in Christ to a God who holds us up. 
Even when we feel like our life is just hanging on by a thread, it is the Lord who holds his people fast. It is the Lord to whom we belong. He is the one who owns his church. And he is the one who sustains it. We see it in this passage, as short as it may be, Paul calls out this church in Corinth, this gathering, that's what church means, this assembly, these people who are going throughout the region of Achaed into Corinth perhaps, the capital city, and they're gathering together to worship. They're not gathering by their own volition, they're gathering because they belong to Jesus. And he is going to hold them fast. So as we turn to God's word this morning, as we, as we look as a church without a senior pastor, as we may be confused about what the next steps are, as we may have anxiety in our own lives or about what is to come, we turn to the Lord to find strength and his shepherding care. And Paul tells us these two things at this very opening of this letter. He tells us that the Lord delivers grace and peace to us. And he tells us that he has declared, the Lord has declared sinners and saints. He does this not because we are good. He does this in the face of our sin. The hurt that we've caused one another, the hurt that the Corinthian church has hurt one another and even hurt the apostle Paul as we'll see in weeks to come. There's a lot of hurt from sinners together, but the Lord loves this church. He loves these sinners who are hurting. And so Paul gives these two truths from the Lord. And we're gonna see how the Lord strengthens and how he shepherds us. We're working backwards through the text this morning, but, but if you have your bulletins in front of you or your Bibles, look with me at verse two. Let's read it again. Paul writes, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a salutation we can far too quickly pass over. We hear it often. We are greeted by that, that salutation uh, Sunday mornings. But we need to slow down and hear because in this phrase, we're hearing the, the beginning of the apostolic message that Paul has for this church. What he's going to build off of in, in the weeks that we're going to study throughout 2 Corinthians. It's a common greeting that he gives, but don't think of it as a common greeting Know that it's, it's not something that he's just passing off as a quick greeting. He wants us to think about God's great desire for us. He wants us to know that the Lord desires us to understand that he wants grace and peace in our midst. What is grace and peace? Well, grace, as we see, it comes from the Lord it comes because we belong to Jesus and it's the full, unreserved goodwill or favor of God. It's a covering that God provides for his people. This morning as I, I woke up our kids, one of them was still trying to avoid the cold that was in the room and she had covered her head up all, down to her feet. She was covered in a blanket, protected. I had to pull it off. I had to remove the covering to get her out of bed. 
But what is grace? It's God's covering of his people, covering us, protecting us from the hurts and the brokenness and the sin and death that are in the world. He covers us with his grace. But he also covers us from ourselves, from our sin, the sin that has separated us from our heavenly, holy Father, the sin that has separated us from one another. God covers us in Christ Jesus. He restores our relationship, not just with our heavenly Father declaring us as children of God, but but he covers us so that we would also seek out the restoration, the reconciliation in relationships with each other. Grace is the undeserved love of God that humbles us. It humbles us by giving us what we cannot receive on our own, forgiveness, the faithfulness of a king. And grace, the more we understand it and the more we look to Jesus in the depth of our sins, the more we wonder, am I really forgiven? And we see the righteousness of Christ, how holy he is and how deep his love is that he would offer up himself for us. The more we understand that depth of sin and the even greater depth of God's righteousness applied to us, the more it empowers us and changes us. It reorients the way that we think that we are needy people, but we're loved people. People who then can extend love to others and grace to others because we've experienced a grace that comes directly from him. A grace that he has declared that we belong to him even when we don't deserve it. And and grace leads to the second greeting from Paul. This this word he uses is peace. It's a a Hebrew greeting. Peace is what the ancient Hebrews would say. They would say shalom. And shalom is more than just a calm or, or ability to be still. Shalom, it's actually an end of warfare. It's an end of division, disunity. It's what God desires for his people. He desires them to be united, unified together, to live in harmony, to live in peace together by the grace of God. You see, in the moments of raging whirlwind, we we can live in fear and that can draw us and cause us to be tempted to think inwardly about ourselves, to self-protect, to put blame on others. God wants God, his grace to permeate our hearts, to know we're forgiven and secure in him because we belong to him so that we would live out peace. We would be able to extend peace into the relationships of those around us that we would end warfare and striving, shame and guilt no longer. His love surrounds us. Instead of avoiding whirlwinds, the Lord wants us to experience his peace often in whirlwinds. 
one of the hardest things that we endure as a church and as individuals when we feel like we're surrounded by a whirlwind is often God doesn't change our circumstances or he doesn't change them quickly. And we want to get out. But the Lord has us as people who've been changed by his grace so that we would be people of peace in the whirlwind, that we would foster a community of peace, of shalom together in the midst of feeling like nothing else is standing still. God wants you to know grace so that you would be at peace. Peace in this church, but peace in broken relationships. Peace in a broken family, perhaps. Peace in a workplace that feels challenging and hard. Peace to neighbors who struggle with understanding the love of God. In hard and difficult places, you are the grace and peace that God intends to be a witness and testimony to what he has done for you in Christ Jesus. We are to live in grace and peace and extend that grace and peace. It's not based on our own strength. It's not because the Corinthians had life all figured out together. They were wealthy, sure, but it wasn't their wealth that made them great. They had a congregation that was probably good size. Paul himself was their church planter. He was there 18 months. Imagine hearing for the next 18 months from the Apostle Paul. You will not be hearing word for word from the Apostle Paul, let me tell you. But we will hear the word of the Lord through Paul in this letter. It wasn't their strength of having the right leader. It wasn't the strength of their church facility. It wasn't the strength of their wealth or how they looked on the outside. The Corinthians were to use and, and grace and peace because of the strength that came from the Lord, of what he had done for them because they belonged to him. You, by faith in Christ, belong to Jesus. Your strength comes from the grace and peace he gives you. Hold fast to the Lord as he is holding on to you. You belong to him. For just as the Lord has delivered grace and peace to us, as sinners who don't deserve it, he also makes a bold declaration, a declaration that you are no longer defined and to live as sinners, but he has defined you as saints, holy ones. Let's move back to this first verse, 2 Corinthians 1, 1, the opening words, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Just as the Lord delivers his people grace and peace, he declares that our identities and our lives have been changed by him. Paul begins with a mention of his own name, 
His life has been transformed. The Lord has declared him something other than what he was. If you remember the story of Paul, he didn't start as Paul. He started out as Saul, named after one of the proud and big kings of Israel, the first king of Israel, a king who didn't understand God's grace. Saul struggled to understand who God was, and he was the most zealous persecutor of Christ. His name has been changed to Paul. Do you remember what Paul means? It means little. (laughs) That's how he wants to be known to this Corinthian church. Not in his greatness, but in his weakness. He is little Paul, little an apostle of Christ Jesus. How could it be that Paul, Saul, the persecutor of the church, could become Paul, little, an apostle of Christ? Only by the will of God. It wasn't Paul's decision to change his heart. He had no ability to change his identity or his life around but it was the will, the power of God that transformed Paul's life. It was by living in the grace and peace of the Lord that Paul had become a new man, no longer needed to being defined by his own strength, but to be defined by God's strength. It was the divine will of God who changed Paul and it was the divine will of God that changed this church in Corinth. The people who live there. If you listen, I shared a weak video. It's not a great video, but there's a video on the website that I put introducing 2 Corinthians with a little bit of historical background and some rationale. You can hear about Paul as the church planner in this church from Acts chapter 18. There's references at the bottom of the outline in the sermon notes section. The apostle Paul had all sorts of challenges in this city, but the Lord was gathering people together. He was the one calling them out of darkness into light, into the kingdom of his son. And the Corinthian church, they were transformed as sinners who were divisive in this first letter that Paul has to write. Divisive in so many different ways. If you were to study the church in Corinth, you would be amazed with how much sin and devastation was in this early church. I mean, I'm just gonna name a few of the things. Uh, There was horrific, open sexual immorality among leadership in the church. Uh, There was fights over who should they listen to, uh, Apollos or or Paul or or, or Peter or or Christ. (laughs) There's divisions that came. They were fighting and didn't understand their theology. What kind of food should we eat? And perhaps one of the most devastating of their broken sins, they were misunderstanding the Lord's Supper. And the rich were eating, feasting to the exclusion of the poor. To the degree that Paul says, this is why some of you have fallen asleep or died. 
If the Corinthian church was a church in our nation today, it would have made national headlines many times over. But what should amaze us is not the depth of their sin. How could they be so broken and sinful? How could they be, reject the apostle Paul? What should make us amazed is how great is the love of Jesus to love them in the depth of their sin and transform them from sinners to saints. That is what should amaze us today. Not the broken places in the whirlwind around us, but that God so loves us that we stand before his holy throne, the one who is the holy one, and we have the same status as the holy one of Israel. We stand before the throne of God as holy ones, saints in Christ Jesus. He has hidden us in himself that even though we still sin and we still do things in which we, we, we regret we hate in our lives, God still looks at us through the righteousness of the Holy One of Israel. You belong to Jesus and he holds you fast. That is what the Apostle Paul wants you to hear in this passage. He wants you not to rest in your strength. He wants you to know the Lord's strength in our weakness. And he wants you to know that it's the Lord who's going to shepherd you in the weeks to come and for eternity because he cares so much for you that he would give you his own son. His son would die for you. Later in the book of, of, of this letter, in chapter five, Paul describes a little more of that love. In 521, Paul says, for our sake, he, God, made Jesus, him, to be sin. To be sin. Who knew no sin. That in him, we might become the righteousness of God. All of the sins that we still commit, Jesus became sin itself. That which is opposed to God in all of his goodness and righteousness and holiness, Jesus became that for us. There is no greater place to be, regardless of the whirlwinds, than to be in Christ secure. We're going to see this unfold in the weeks to come, as I've mentioned. That he loves us, that we belong to him. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing a hymn, a hymn entitled, He Will Hold Me Fast. This was a hymn that was written uh, over a hundred years ago. At least most of the words were written but this arrangement is fairly new. It's an arrangement, as you see in the bulletin, by Matthew Merker. Matthew was describing why he chose to add an arrangement because probably prior to this, we didn't sing this hymn very much. Now we're singing it more and more. Matthew shared that uh, he 
was in a very dark place in his life. He was at a place when many of his friends had fallen away from the Lord. They had walked away because they felt the pain of the whirlwind around them. As Matthew was feeling that whirlwind, he realized there was nothing he could do to hold on to Jesus. And that's when he found these words. That it wasn't up to him to hold on to Jesus. It was the Lord who held on to him. And so he wrote this arrangement because he knew he needed to sing that the Lord will hold him fast. By God's grace and in his peace and in his declaration that you are a saint, we know we belong to Jesus. We know that he will hold us fast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you desire, your heart's desire is not condemnation for your people. Your heart's desire is grace and peace. Your heart's desire is that we would know you hold on to us. Lord, would you help us to apply the gospel deep in our hearts that we would live out an identity that comes from you. That we would live as saints testifying not to our greatness, but to the grace and peace you have given us in your son. Would you help us even as we continue to sing your praises? Would you be our strength and our shepherd? And would that be evident to the world around us that you are our king and that we belong to you? Lead us now, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.